This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Good morning and welcome. This is Julie and you're listening to Your Catholic Corner 89.0 Free FM. Online, on demand and on air. Thank you to the parishioners of St. Matthew's in Hillcrest, Hamilton City, Kirikiriroa, in Aotearoa, God's Own, New Zealand. Opening music was Salve Regina. Well, here we are in the 14th Sunday of Ordinary Time, over halfway through the year. In today's readings, we hear from the prophet Ezekiel, St. Paul, and St. Mark. Peace be with you. The first reading today is from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, and it's about Ezekiel's appointment as prophet among the exiles in Babylon. The second reading is from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, and if you tuned in a couple of weeks ago, you'll remember that Corinth was a very wealthy port city in St. Paul's time, and with that wealth also comes indulgence and corruption. Today, St. Paul feels forced to prove that he was a true apostle, who suffered much for Christ and his gospel, and who's also been given the privilege 
of special visions and revelations. He describes some of his own, the own weaknesses that he had, weaknesses that when you hear him talk, you realize that they troubled him a lot. He's strongly and passionately of the opinion and belief that it's because of his weakness and sufferings that Jesus, Christ, God, is able to use him more convincingly because he is weak and therefore he, St. Paul, can be stronger, can be a stronger witness to God's greatness. The Gospel is from St. Mark's. Before we get to that, I just want to just go back in time a little bit. Not so very long ago, in our time, in your time, in my time, off the shores of the Philippines, a fisherman discovered a very large, misshapen pearl. It was seriously ugly. It was not pretty. It looked more like an amoeba with blobs and folds everywhere, rather than a beautiful perfect pearl. The fisherman took his ugly find home, and because he didn't know what to do with it or even what it was, he stowed it under his bed. When he moved ten years later, he had no use for it, so he gave it to the local tourism office. This ugly blob turned out to be the world's largest pearl, with an estimated worth of roughly 100 million US dollars. Why do I share that? I share it because it's easy to miss the value of something when it bears no resemblance to what we were thinking something should be. Scripture tells us that the good news of the kingdom is like a priceless pearl. It's in Matthew chapter 13 verse 45. But what if it doesn't look like any pearl we've ever seen? There's a story in the Gospels about a time in Jesus' ministry when he returned to his boyhood stomping grounds of Nazareth. The reception was less than stellar because he didn't look like the hope anyone expected. What happened in Nazareth was a foretaste of the later reaction of the scribes and the Pharisees, the leaders of the people, to Christ's claim to be the promised Messiah. What the people of Nazareth tried to do, the religious authorities in, Ju- in Jerusalem succeeded in doing, because they were able to threaten the Roman governor with blackmail. Unbeknownst to them, their wickedness was all part of God's action plan for mankind. As we know and believe, as Christians, it was part of God's plan that his son was humbled through death, an ugly death, a horrible death, so that we could live forever today with God as our Savior. Christ's death, thorough Christ's death, followed by his resurrection, was the key that opened the door of eternity for us humble people, the human race. Unfortunately for the leaders of the Jews, the good end didn't justify the evil intentions and the evil means which they used. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I struggle to understand the irrational opposition of the Nazarites or the Nazarenes on this occasion and of the Pharisees of Jerusalem later on. The Nazarenes had heard nothing but marvelous reports of Jesus' wonderful preaching and miracles. 
You'd therefore expect that they'd be rejoicing about having one of their own, one of their own citizens, admired by thousands and looked upon by so many as the long-promised Messiah. But no, instead they turned against him. Their animosity, although unbelievable, was all part of God's plan. Jesus' career was finished. Have you ever wondered why? Possibly because of the sins of envy and pride. After all, Jesus was the son of a mere carpenter, one of their own neighbors, a mere carpenter, not a lofty king. They were expecting a beautiful pearl and couldn't see beyond his mere lowly carpenter status. How could such a man of lowly status hold claim to what he was talking about? How could his this mere carpenter's son be this bold, this famous, to use today's language, be such an influencer when no other mere carpenter's sons were? There's none so blind as those who refuse to see. The men and women, mostly men because they were the ones with the power back then, refused to see the miracles that Jesus was performing daily. And it was the same later with the Pharisees. The same vices, pride and envy affected their ability to see the truth. In fact, life according to Julie, it affected their ability to even seek the truth. After all, they were the religious leaders of the people, or so they thought themselves to be. Yet here was a mere carpenter's son, this ugly pearl, being the influencer of the day. Jesus was gaining followers ahead of them, and they didn't like it. This imposter called Jesus couldn't possibly be the Messiah. Not only wasn't he keeping the law as strictly as they kept it, Remember, they had 670-something laws. Jesus was often accused of blasphemy, but he was friendly with sinners, prostitutes, and tax gatherers. He ate with them. As well as all of that, Jesus talked of some faraway kingdom in heaven and not of the earthly empire that they decided the real Messiah would establish. Some of them had even heard about and seen Jesus' miracles firsthand. Remember in Bethany, only a few kilometers from Jerusalem, Lazarus was raised to life after four days in the grave. They tried hard to deny these miracles. There was talk that they might kill Lazarus and therefore make the people forget that the miracle, out of sight, out of mind. Their pride and envy made them irrational. Nothing but the most cruelest death possible for Jesus, the one they hated the most, would satisfy their all-consuming hatred. Imagine what that must have felt like. Little did they realize that the very death that they'd instigated was playing right into God's hands because it ended up being Christ's road to glory. A horrible way to go but God had it covered. Lifted up on the cross, Jesus drew all men to himself as he had foretold. And you can read about that in John chapter 12, verse 32. Those on Calvary truly beheld the triumph of failure. Unfortunately, though, and sadly, pride and envy didn't die with Jesus on the cross at Calvary. 
they're all still ever present today in the 21st century. Pride and envy, I'm a bit sorry to say, play out in my life too. And as hard as I try not to let those feelings surface, sometimes they do. Especially when things aren't going quite according to my plan. And it's at times like these that taking a deep breath and stepping back, remembering that Jesus died so that I could live, that God has got this, that I'm able to sort of let go of pride and envy. Sometimes it takes longer than others. Sometimes I feel that it's easier to let go than other times. And sometimes I really, I really do struggle and I'm totally blind to my own shortcomings. Today, there are still enemies of the church alive and strong in our world. More than ever, the church is under threat. So it's up to each one of us to help defend her, to be witness to God, to Christ, to Jesus. As you listen to today's readings, let each of us renew our loyalty to Christ today and tomorrow. Remember that he humbled himself so that we might be raised to the standing of God's sons and daughters. He raised our human nature with us so that we could share his divine nature. He died a cruel death on Calvary so that we could have eternal life in heaven. We pray for light for those whose foolish pride, like mine, has left them groping in the darkness, how I used to be before the light. Let us pray also for the the good God to keep us always on the road of truth, on the road of Christian humility, which leads to the eternal home in which Christ has won for us by his incarnation. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Yeah, well.
Andrea Bocelli, Amazing Grace. When I listen to the words, the lyrics of that, it kind of tells my story. Well, not my story. It allows me to think that that's how I was, living in the dark. And then God found me, saved me by grace. This is Julie, you're listening to Your Catholic Corner, 89.0 Free FM, on this, the 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Big thank you to the parishioners of St. Matthew's and Hillcrest in Hamilton City, Kirikiriroa, Aotearoa, God's Own, New Zealand. Today's first reading is from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. When I saw this, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of someone speaking. When the voice spoke to me, a spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard one speaking to me, Mortal, I am sending you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. The descendants are impudent and stubborn. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they shall know that there has been a prophet among them. The Word of the Lord. Our eyes are fixed on the Lord, pleading for His mercy. Our eyes are fixed on the Lord, pleading for His mercy. To you I lift up my eyes, who are enthroned in heaven, as the eyes of servants are on the hands of their masters. Our eyes are fixed on the Lord, pleading for His mercy. As the eyes of a maid are on the hands of her mistress, so are our eyes on the Lord our God. Have pity on us. Our eyes are fixed on the Lord, pleading for His mercy. Have pity on us, O Lord, have pity on us, for we are more than sated with contempt. Our souls are more than sated with the mockery of the arrogance. 
with the contempt of the proud. Our eyes are fixed on the Lord, pleading for his mercy. Psalm 1-2-3 My eyes are fixed on the Lord. The second reading is a reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Considering the exceptional character of the revelations to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. The Word of the Lord. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciple follows him. On the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that he has that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with him? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And Jesus could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went among them, the villagers teaching the gospel of the Lord.
Thank you for sharing the last half an hour or so of your life with me where we got to virtually break bread with Jesus. Wherever you are in the world, peace be with you. If you are listening to this in the United States, may your Independence Day be peaceful and celebratory. If you are in God's Zone or Tiaroa, New Zealand, enjoy the winter that we are in right now. And just marvel at the changing of the seasons. God's changing of the seasons. Take care. I look forward to spending Sunday morning with you again next week. This is Julie signing off on the 14th day, the 14th Sunday of Ordinary Time. Peace be with you. Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.